0: Well good morning Mercy Church. So it is glad to be before you today um, and as Pastor Spence has alluded to my name is Richard Barnes. I oversee our independence campus but I also oversee our equipping uh, ministries as well. And so for our time today I want to start um, with a question. And so here's the, the question. Have you ever got something that you spent all of your money on and in the end it ends up disappointing you? Yep. Yep. And I've been there. So that, that happened to me. And so uh, my wife's probably listening. She might tell me after I have to share the story. I told you so. I'm putting it on, on the record right now. You told me so. I'm about to sh- share the story just as, as, a, as a caveat. So I wanted this, this new truck. So I had me an, an old rig. It was, it was about, it had an eight-foot truck. Um, it was red, and we call it uh, Clifford. Um, and, 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 so, and so I wanted to get rid of this truck because, quite honestly, it was kind of embarrassing having a big old bed truck. It only had two doors. I, I had kids. And so um, I convinced my wife to let me buy a four-door, full-size truck. And so I purchased it from a, a buddy, and I bought it blindly, not really thinking much about it. And so as I bought this truck um, and I got into it, there was a few things that were kind of suspicious. One, one of them was that the seats were ripped. And, and so I instantly just had buyer's remorse. I was like, oh, man, this is going to get bad. I looked on the other side. The bad boy had, had a big old dent in it. Uh, and, 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 and so I was like, man, like, this, this stinks. But I, I bought this truck is because I had a Roost Chris taste, but I had a McDonald's budget, and, 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 so, and so therefore, I, I wanted to get into a truck because I needed a, a rig that made me look good, because all, all of these, um, coming from Texas, you, you have these, these big trucks, and so big trucks where you can go off-roading at at night, but then um, during the day, you can take it to the car wash and take your lady to a, to a movie, that type of truck. And so that's what I wanted. But as you guys know, this truck disappointed me sorely. And so in about three years, I had to get rid of the truck because the engine ended up falling out. Y'all, I thought this truck was going to give me an image that was going to make me look cool. I thought that it was going to fulfill me and complete me, and give me worth, and I chose to ignore the truck's imperfections due to those things. Y'all, that is what false hopes do to us. Um, they never hold up to the bargain that they present to us, and this is what the Apostle Paul is getting at today inside Colossians. As as, as, as we look at the scriptures, Paul is trying to warn the church of Colossians of these false teachers who presenting false teachings that were giving false hopes. Like my truck, false teachings might seem reasonable at first, but then down the road, literally down the road, it causes you more problems. So for the Christian, if you don't put anything... You don't put anything else, you don't put your worth to anything else other than in Christ. It is going to let you down. And so, so Paul had had to give them um, this robust theology of who the person of Christ is at the beginning of the book. And so now we're inside um, chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. He's, he's going to give them a working theology of how to be in Christ. And so that is actually my main idea today, is that we are in Christ. But, but before we, we dive in, um, I just want just, to just start by reading verse 8, because verse 8 is going to set up for us the rest of the text. And so we're going to skip um, verses 6 and 7, um, and then we're going to get back to that a little bit later. So verse 8, it says this, it says, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy, which is Greek and Jewish myths, Empty deceits, which is deceptive worldviews based on human traditions, based on the elements of the world, which are teachings that are influenced by the the devil, then he says, rather than Christ. And so Paul is using here this word captive um, as a militant term. Why? Because he is comparing these false teachings to a strong army that can be captivating and that can be enslaving. So therefore, he says, be careful, church be careful because you can run the risk of being captivated by these false teachings and by these false doctrines. These false teachings presented have truths, you know just a little, a little bit um, um, truth to therefore to get people to buy in to it, but they had no connection to Christ. So, so church, we need to pay attention here. Pay attention to the sermon, but also pay, pay attention to the Word of God. I know you're on your couch sitting there eating, eating a cookie. Uh, it's, 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 and so you need to pay attention. I, I did it a few weeks ago, so that's why I'm calling, calling you out. Um, so what Paul is, is saying, that you need to find your life in Christ, because if you don't, you will be pulled away. You will be taken captive. So therefore, to remember that we are in Christ, we got to keep our heads up. Now, as I say that, I know some of y'all thinking the Tupac Shakur song, keep keep your head up. Um, Same idea, different implications. And so, like the Colossians, we cannot be deceived to what is real. We must must understand what is real and what is fake. Uh, Let me see if I can uh, make this plain. And so... I'm not sure if you guys uh, know this, uh, but the black barbershop is one of the crown jewels of the African-American community. And and at this barbershop, uh, you can get a cut. um, You can purchase your lunch and dinner uh, for your whole entire family. um, And in fact, you can get your whole wardrobe set um, just, just sitting there. Why? And how? Well, because it takes about three hours to get a cut at the barbershop. And so while you are sitting there, there's people coming in and out of of the shop selling all kinds of stuff. It's kind of the black version of like the the flea market. You know, just just people just come in and and folks just all all in in your face. And so often... Often there'll be guys coming in selling shoes, and, and particularly they're selling Jordans. And, and so, um, if one is not well versed in shoes, they can then be deceived by these guys who are selling these Jordans because they're often, they're most often fake. And these fake shoes, though they look good for a while, just. Just give those shoes three months. Those soles are going to fall out, out from under them. They, they won't last. They, they, they will be torn apart. And this is what Paul is talking about with these false teachings. Though they look good, though they look like the real thing, they are actually fake, and they will actually, the whole your whole life, everything will fall out from up under you like those shoes. So you must Be aware. You got to keep your head up. You got to keep your head up looking at Christ. So the question is, if that is true, so how are we buying into some of these false teachings? How are we buying into things that's going to give us hope? Well, for for the Colossians, they believed inside of Jesus plus something gospel instead of a Jesus plus nothing gospel. They believe that they could maintain their former way of living, right, but add Jesus on to the side. Yeah. I think for many of us, we still buy into the, to the lie, this false teaching, that we must work hard to get God to love us. In fact, to get others to, to love us. Y'all, that's a false teaching because we don't work to get love. We work from love. Other of us, we fall into this trap of the gospel of comfort. It is telling you and it it's telling I that life is easy. It has to be easy. Therefore, whenever hard things come your way, you are a victim of unfortunate circumstances. And you deserve to be comfortable. But this is false teaching. This is a lie And it leads to idolatry. Why? Because whenever you fall into idols, what happens is that your joy in Christ gets robbed, and it leads you to forget God. In fact, the gospel comfort was actually some of the basis of the teachings, uh, the false teachings inside Paul day. They were declaring, because Paul is suffering, before, because God's people are suffering, there means that God does not love them and that He wants bad for them. there must be something wrong with them. Does that sound familiar? We're inside this COVID season, and hard times is, is hitting. Uh, a lot of us are being hit uh, financially. A lot of us are hitting, getting hit emotionally. A lot of us are getting hit psychologically and physically. And in these hard times, we think that God is not there. We think that our pain and suffering is absence of God's presence and is absence of God's grace. But I want to tell you today that your pain and suffering aren't absence of, of God's grace. They're an invitation into his grace. Because why? Because whenever you hit rock bottom, you're able to see Christ at the bottom. And so you're able to see that he is all that you need and that all of these false truths, all of these false ways of living cannot hold up. So you got to keep your head up to see Christ. But we got to move on. In order to understand also how that we are in Christ, we got to understand that we are complete in Christ. Let's look at verse 9. It says, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwelled bodily in Christ. So Paul uses this language set the second time inside this letter. He uses it uh, originally inside verses 119, where it says the entire fullness of God was pleased to dwell in, in Christ. Um, but, but he uses this, this term a little bit differently. And so what he is getting at here is, again, these false teachings were teaching a doctrine, teaching a way of life that is contrary to Christ. And so when, when Paul says, and so Paul wanted them to see um, inside this verse is that Jesus had to be both God, he had to um, be both God, and he had to be both human. Why? Because in him being God, um, that, that he did the, the miraculous, he rose from, from the grave. With him being human, he did, he did something that we could not do, and that we could not die for our sin. And so whenever the scripture says that the entire fullness of God dwells abidingly in Christ, that That is what it meant. Both Jesus being God and man um, died bodily a death for us. So if that is true, if the fullness of God dwelled bodily in Christ, it makes verse 10 um, stand out. And you have been filled in him. In other translations, it says you have been, been given the fullness. And what this means is that in Christ, you have been brought to completion. Christ, being both God and man, satisfied all that you deserve. You were dead in your sins. Um, you were led astray inside, inside the captive realities of, of your worldviews. But Christ came and rescued you. But not only did he rescue you, but he made you complete. This complete in this text is passive voice, which means that there was something done to us and not by us. Y'all, I need to remind you of this. Christ died for your sins. Why is this important? Because if we don't see that we are a great sinner, we can't see that we've been saved by a great Savior. As sinners, we are declared hopeless, unrighteous, destined for, for wrath. And But also, we couldn't meet God's holy requirements to stand before him. We had an an enormous um, backlog of sin which bared much guilt and um, um, and judgment. And in in our sin, as we stood before God, we had a multi-million dollar debt, and we did not have a dollar to pay before him. But in Christ, we stand rich with billion-dollar pockets, incomplete. But to make the point even crucial— this fullness that Paul's talking to, this fullness of Christ, this completeness is not only effective as we stand before God, but it's also how we obey God. Inside the Greek, this, this is not only a passive um, voice, but it's also perfect tense, uh, which is referring to that an action is completed in the past, Christ dying for our sins making us complete, which is still effective for the present. Christ's completeness is sufficient for your past and is also sufficient for your present. Making the concept complete in Christ a profound truth. Because in our hearts of hearts, we, we believe we must strive for love. But Christ came in our sins and made us complete in him. Christ, as we learn throughout all of this book, that he is the supreme God. He is, he, is, he is absolute. He is in all things. He controls all things. He is in everything. That is what Paul is saying in verse 10. It says he's ahead over every ruler and every authority. Y'all, we are complete in Christ. But he takes it a little bit further. Not only are we complete in Christ, but we have fellowship with Christ. So look at verse 11. It says, you are also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done by hands, by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcisions of Christ. Um, there is a lot here, but I'm just going to say this plainly. And what, what, what theologians have said about this verse. You have union with Christ or fellowship with Christ. And an old theologian, um, J.I. Packer, he, he's, a, he's a, a Canadian Anglican theologian. I know that's a lot. He, he says this. He says, union with Christ is the basic relationship from which flows the gift of the Spirit who indwells you. And through which, via the Spirit, comes the power to model your life behaviorally in Christ. Let me say that in layman terms. Our fellowship with Christ invites us into fellowship with the Holy Spirit, who then teaches us how to become more like Christ. Our union with Christ is both legal and it is both personal. It's legal because Christ represented us before God. It is personal because Christ became our substitute for our sins before God, and when he became our substitute, that allowed for us to have fellowship with him. Fellowship. We got to pay attention here. Um, let, let's, look, let's look at verse 12. It says, when you were, you were buried with Christ, you were also raised with Christ through him, working in God who raised him from the dead. So what Paul is, is describing here um, is that the death and resurrection of Christ, he was describing as though we were there. Let's look at it again. He says, when you were buried with, with him in baptism, he's talking about you you, you, you and I, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And so Christ's body, the physical body, that was what verse 11 says that, he, that, that, we, that was put off was also our body. We were also buried with him in baptism, but we were also raised with him from the dead. This means that the, that the dying and rising power of Christ signifies death to the power of sin and to the power of Satan. So that means your sin no longer controls you. Your past no longer condemns you and you have been made new. You are a new person. You are set free and like a prisoner. You have been released from bondage and Christ released you from your bondage so that you can walk faithfully in him. That is what it means to have fellowship with Christ, is that everything that, that has been done, um, your sins done in your past, present, and future, that the death of Christ defeated on your behalf. So, therefore, you can be with him. But, y'all, there is still a whole lot more for us to grab. Let's look at verse uh, 13 through 15. It says, in, When you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he— made you alive in him and forgave us all our trespasses having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us he has taken it away nailing it to the cross which leads me to my final point in Christ you have victory Paul is reiterating here time and time again. He's saying it all over in this text, the message of the, of the gospel, that, that the gospel defeats sin and gives you salvation. He says, you, you sitting right there on your couch or standing in front of your TV, you were dead in your sin, uncircumcised of your flesh. And so that, that just means that you didn't, you didn't have the grace of God. But due to the grace and mercy of God, Christ took your sin and death and he discontinued it. It's kind of like some of the products on Amazon right now, they're discontinued. Instead, he made you alive in Christ and gave you victory. Christ took our debt and all of its obligation. He took everything that was against us and that was opposed to us. And he nailed it on the cross. This is a brilliant image. Christ became our certificate of debt and it was canceled. Y'all, we, we, we gotta see this here. Is that that the cross is 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 this wooden, this wooden frame that, that that a large nail uh, was put, that was nails were put up against a body was laid there. And in this time, they would have understood what this meant because whenever a debt needed to be canceled in that time, they would take a piece of paper and put it on a wooden door on someone's house and says, your debts are forgiven. Your debts are forgiven. Christ took our legal sentence. And at the head of his, his crown, as he was nailed to the, to, to the cross, according to John 19, it says, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. But y'all, as we talked about before, since we have fellowship with Christ and since we died with him, I was there and you were there. It should have said, Rashard Barnes, sinner in debt of sins of. You, sinner in debt of sins of. There's a dot 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 because Christ erased it. Here's how He he gave us victory as well. Verse 15, he says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly, and he triumphed over them. As Christ triumphed over death, so do we. It was his blood, our debts, his defeat, our victory. In him we are forgiven. In him we are made alive. And that is how that we have victory. Now, you're probably wondering, so how do I do, do this practically? How, how do, I, how do I, I make this practical for my life? Well, um, if you notice, I did not read verses 6 and 7 because often Paul speaks in like a roundabout way all the time inside of, of his letters. Um, that's the reality of, of, of translating um, Um, the Bible. And so in verse 6 and 7, it says this. He says, So then, just as you have received Christ as Lord, continue to walk in Him. Being rooted and built up in Him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. So here is how, real real quickly, receive Christ as Jesus as Lord. Yeah. This is both an affirmation and an invitation. As an affirmation it's calling us to receive Christ as our new identity, our new worldview, our new motivation, our new hope. And as an invitation it's causing us to go deeply into the depths of Christ. In verse, the end of verse six and seven says it this way. He says, walk in him, being rooted, built up, And establish in faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. That is, to walk in Christ, we have to be rooted in him, built in him, established in him. Deep roots in Christ keeps us from being deceived. It keeps us from from being so easily um, overturned. Faith in Christ gives us stability that nothing else can do. And so here's some some practical action steps. Uh, Number one. Be rooted in Christ. What this means is that as a root, you got to have some depth. And the only way to have depth is by staring at the gospel, by delighting in the gospel, and by experiencing all that God has for us in Christ. Have deep roots in Christ. Number two, be built up. And so what this means means for us is that we have to be intentional about our growth in our faith. That means that I can't, can't keep dragging you along. Your friends can't keep dragging you along. You have to be intentional about growing in your faith. Y'all, some of us are being deceived by, by that reality. We're also being received that just because you gave your life to Christ, you don't have to do anything else. But because of what we just heard today, because of the death and resurrection of Christ, it gives you victory and power to walk in holiness without shame, without guilt, and without condemnation. And when we sin, we get to turn to, to God in grace and forgiveness. And then lastly, establish in faith. Again, there's a false teaching out there that you don't need to go to church and be involved in, in community to, to love God. That is a false reality. Because in order to remain established in the faith, you got to be around some, some believers to remind you, one, of your sinfulness, but then secondly, of God's goodness. You need to be in church. You need to be inside a community group. You need to be inside a D group so, so you can confess your false hopes that you were trying to hold on to. Y'all, all this is not trying to earn Christ's worth is, is because we are worth. We have the fullness of God. So I just want to end here, and this is what I'm going to end with. Also, this is I'm going to assign this as, as your homework. I'm going to read first, first John 1 5, and I want you to memorize this this week. It says this, it says, But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how that we know that we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. With that in mind, church, will you pray with me? Father, we are thankful for just the beautiful, beautiful reality that that you gave us um, through your apostle of showing us how we are in Christ. Lord, in Christ, we have victory. In Christ, we have completeness. Um, In Christ, we have identity. Lord, there's so many riches to explore to what it means to be in Christ. So Lord, will you help our heart? Holy Spirit, help our heart to understand deeply what it means to be inside a fellowship with you. So Lord, guide us this week. Lord, help us see the false ways of living that's holding us back from, from dwelling in you. Father, we, we love you and we thank you. In Christ's mighty name we pray, amen.